Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Hey, everybody. In this episode of the Bill Kasky Podcast, I speak with Matt Nettleton, who I've known for years. He's a, I guess you could call us competitors. We're in the same geographic area and we do similar things. Similar things, not exactly the same thing, but I've always liked Matt. And he has something really big to bring to the table in terms of what salespeople need to be focusing on in the next year or two, what are some trends in sales, and what kinds of skills do we need to be building. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Matt Nettleton and me. I think we just start because you really, you know, it's like the Jay-Z Lincoln Park mashup of podcasts. Start. Well, I don't know Lincoln Park, but I know Jay-Z. So what you're saying is you're giving people an inside view into something that shouldn't be seen or heard. <laughs> well, it's it's when you get the two different styles that are both very relevant in the market. And, and you know, we, we, we do have very different styles, but we have a lot of common themes. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that so so why don't we start with when you think about you know we're halfway through 2023 and when you think about the market that we're facing right now as people reset for Q3 what do you want to talk about what do they need to know that's a good uh, that's a good way to start um, well, I want to second what you just said because you know you and I have been quote unquote competitors. We've been in the same space for many years. I've never, and I don't think you've considered us competitors. We've spoken on the same stage before. So yeah. I really, I really like what you're about and what you're talking about. So if you're a listener, if you're a Bill Caskey podcast listener or a Matt Nettleton pod, I think you just have to take this in, leave what doesn't fit, take what does, because we're going to have some slightly different variations, I think, on things. As far as Q3 goes, you know, I don't know that Q3 is any different than Q2. I still think there's a, a COVID hangover out there that is still there, even though we'd all like to forget about it. And part of that hangover is there's still a lot of people who are not in, in office. I mean, my daughter works for Salesforce and they're trying like hell to get people back in the office and people are not having it. <laughs> they want to stay at home with the, with the pantry close by. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a little hangover there. So I guess the question for sales types, sales pros is what can you do in say, now I think Q3 is a really important quarter because we're headed into the last quarter and we're kind of setting up for next year. Cause a lot of people you and I call on are not one call closers. Their right. sales cycles last a long time. So I love Q3 discussions. I think, I still think that you, you have to message properly. I think we have gotten away. I just interviewed a lady from my podcast who talked about externalizing uh, knowledge. And that is, you know, you, Matt, Bill, all of our listeners have a lot of knowledge. How do we take that knowledge and, and 
and package it in a way that the con- that it's consumable. So the consumer says, oh, I see. Okay. Versus our own knowledge put in our words that don't mean anything to anybody because we can read it and understand it, but the average Joe can't. Not because it's too mighty and, and it's just, it doesn't connect with them. So I think messaging is really important. Yeah. I, I think messaging is really important um, from that. And, and and there's some stuff we could talk about there. I also think, you know, you brought it up. I think it was in episode four of your big profit amplifier series where picking targets appropriately is super important because so many people are convinced that in order to succeed, they have to talk to strangers and they walk past buckets of money in their existing true. clients. It, it just, so true. You know, if, if you haven't sat down and done an exercise to discover opportunities in your existing client book, yeah. you're, you're, everything else you're doing is a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, it's just, it's simple. It's simpler that way. Oh. Well, why do we make it so hard going out and talking to people who don't really know us, don't really want to talk to us and try to bring them along and pitch and convince when people who love us are sitting right there in our, you know, in our database. I think that's really good. So do you yeah. find, do you find in your business that a lot of times the sales organization will bring in the new client and then they'll pass it off to another, another account management section and, and they're really not as astute, typically, it's, it probably sounds bad, as the sales team in terms of how do you broach new subjects, how do you bring people along? What, what do you find there? So what, what I find is that, I mean, it's a tale as old as time, right? People react to incentives personally. And client success teams are not personally rewarded for yeah. ferreting out opportunities. They're, mm-hmm. they're rewarded for making clients feel successful and stay and retain and stay and retain. And that's great. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to lose anybody, but when we, and I do an exercise with my clients called product bingo and the, the name just kind of, we start to check mark what things are we selling to who. Yeah. And when we take our clients and we do this product bingo exercise, we typically find that they have the ability without talking to any strangers <laughs> to grow four to 500%. You know, and their annual goal is like, hey, if we could hit 10 to 15% growth, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, you got 400% over here. If you you talk to these people, you might want to try that. Yeah. No, but my people need to be making cold calls. Oh, yes. Okay, good. Sure. Oh, great. They love it. No, my people love cold calls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's what, why do we pick? What is there about (laughs) human nature that causes us to go down that path when right in front of us, there's an open window with money behind the window? And we just refuse it. Is it a testosterone thing? Is it a, or has the leadership just misled salespeople and the leaders aren't helping them think through things that way? Well, I I think to some degree you get trapped in the swimming pool that you're used to, you know, and and, and most sales organizations, you know, now it's SDR, BDR, but when I was with Coke, it was territory sales managers and every organization has had some, some version of entry-level sales rep needs to go talk to strangers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we kind of carry that forward because, Hey, when I started, that's what I did. So that's you're right. starting, that's what you do. It's the orthodoxy. It's just yeah. the orthodoxy. You uh, go to high school and then you go to college. Well, I want right. to go to a trade school. Oh no, not in this family. You don't go to a trade school. It's like, wait a minute. Trades yeah. more than yeah. Yeah, a lot more. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I think it's just, it's the way, the way things have been done or the way things are done. And, and, and so that's a huge mistake. 
Yeah. So I would, I would say that, uh, we use what's called the opportunity matrix, which sounds like it's the same thing. We look at yep. all the different product categories on the top and then all the clients, top five, 25 clients below it. And it's amazing how little ink is produced in that, in that, those boxes. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Matt, about, uh, I've got a client I just talked to today and they're hiring an inside sales team. And, uh, the purpose of it is to, have the inside sales team do all the outreach. It's not really BDR because they are responsible for smaller accounts. And then if they come across somebody that's a larger account, they throw it to the, to the account executives. I, I don't mind the model at all, but what would you, it, it's, and I said, well, what are they going to be doing? So they get there day one. What are they going to be doing? hundred cold calls a day. Okay. Uh, okay. What are they going to be doing on those cold calls? Is it, is it, pitching a meeting? Is it, what are they going to be doing? Cold call. These people are not ready for this call. So how are you going to soften the, you know, soften the ground a little bit? No real answer. It was just, let's throw a lot of freaking cold calls at it. It's we're bound to turn up something. What would yeah. you say to uh, that VP of sales without cursing? Uh, <laughs> well, I would point out that, that uh, sales is not a game of dumb numbers. Yeah. Doing the wrong thing repeatedly does not produce the right result by accident. I mean, you just can't say, well, we did a lot of stuff, so we got something. You know, I, I would start to think, and, and and you've probably done this as well, reverse engineer the sales journey that you want your buyer to go on. And, and what are the gates they have to pass through? And, and by the way, this is the beginning of the journey. What do you want a, a successful sales call from one of these new inside sales reps to accomplish? Yeah. And, and if you can't answer that, well, then I'm a little confused. Like it, you're not going to, nobody's going to buy a 500,000 piece, $500,000 piece of capital expense equipment off a cold call. Right. And they're probably not going to buy a case of floor cleaner. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. So you better have some metrics that the inside sales team can point to and say, hey, this was bad. This was good. Yeah. Yeah. But I like your idea of reverse engineering it and saying, what is the journey? Well, first off, the cold call recipient has to feel like you are a legitimate human being, not a not an auto, not a bot. And, yep. uh, and they have to feel like you have some care for them. They have to feel like you're a patient. You're not trying to rush things. I, I call it vaulting. We vault over the process to get to the close. Even if the close is a, a booked appointment, that's a close for a SDR yeah. or BDR. We, we just vault over that. It's like, wait a minute. People, people are on to that. You, you know, we're in 2023 now, 1965. They probably were just happy to get a call. Now we have screens set up. We, we, you know, we don't even pick up our phone unless we look and see the picture of the person who's calling. So you're going to have to devise a different strategy. And I, I like the idea of reverse engineering that. Well, and the other thing is a, a weakness when we vault through the process to get the, the call is the simplest way for me to end a sales call is to agree to a meeting with somebody who's not on the phone. So if, you know, if yeah. Bill Kasky SDR calls me and says, Hey, listen, uh, I get paid to set appointments. So what's it going to take to get you an appointment today, sir? And I'm like, well, I get, I, I, I get no enjoyment from sales calls. So why don't we do this? How about the second Tuesday and never you put me down for 2 p.m. Yeah. And uh, I'll be there. Let's go. Yeah, sure, I will. Sure, I will. Yeah. And, and now the, the SDR writes it off as a win. 
because he set the appointment. I ghost them. There's nothing there. And, and, and everybody fails. Yeah. And then we keep calling him back. Hey, you yeah. missed your appointment. It's like, I know. I never had any intention of going. Yeah. Hardly by accident. Can't say I missed it. Yeah. So, so the alternative to that then, Matt, is I feel, and you may disagree with this, I feel like there has to be some kind of rapport built early uh, where maybe it's this the SDR or the inside salesperson calls and says, hey, look, you know, you don't know us from Adam. My name's Bill Kasky. I'm with a company called XYZ. Um, we've got a report or we've got a uh, kind of a, a checklist that we've created because we find there's a lot of confusion in the market when it comes to this. And we'd like to send that to you. Would you be OK with that? It's there's no obligation and something to give something that like, you know, when when a, you when a neighbor comes over for dinner, the good neighbors bring something. They bring a bottle of wine or a, you know, a cigar or something. Uh, so I think there's a giving. Let's go back and forth here versus just asking for the order. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think we, we would agree that sales is a trading profession, right? And if yeah. I show up as a sales rep and, and I bring nothing of value, but I'm expecting you to give me an appointment, which is of value to me. Right, right. Like it, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it's not, it's, it's out of balance. It's, uh, yeah. there's, there's a TV show. I think it's a Netflix show. It's called The Lake. And it's about a brother and a stepsister fighting over a lake house. It's pretty funny. But early on, the stepsister invites the brother to a dinner. And says, "Don't bother bringing wine. We 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 would you know we just want to entertain you." And the brother looks at his daughter and goes, "Don't bring a gift. Do they think I was raised by wolves? <laughs> like, how could I do that?" Yeah. But salespeople, like, they show up and they're like, "Hey, I I really have nothing of value for you. I need you to set an appointment." Yeah, that's so true. And it so and it's like, ah, eh, it doesn't. Nowhere yeah. else in life would that be a good trade. No. And remember back in the 60s and 70s, we used to bring a box of donuts when we yeah. drove by. And we used we used to think, oh, that's that's just uh, conniving. No, it worked. <laughs> we bring yeah. lunch. We bring donuts. People like that. We sit down and talk. Oh, yeah. Every time Matt shows up, he brings us good stuff. Right. Now, are you familiar with Robert Cialdini uh -huh. and the psychology? Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. that reciprocity. Yeah. Yep. Of, of, of an unexpected gift that you give somebody is long lasting and valuable. And it doesn't have to be donuts. It could be lunch. It doesn't have to be lunch. It could be drinks. It could, you know, it, yeah. it could be a white thing of value, something of it, value, yeah. something of value that's unexpected. Yeah. So for a lot of market, a lot of salespeople that I work with, cause you know, we're probably similar and then I go into a company and I work with their sales team. I don't always work with their marketing team, which is a mistake on my part. And so a lot of times the salespeople say, well, that's marketing's job. You know, we, we send it to marketing. Problem is when you send it to marketing, it doesn't always come back authentic. It comes back through marketing jargon and speak and look how great we are. And, and I always feel like, no, salespeople, you've got to be the ones that are creating these things, even if it's a simple Google Doc. I've got one salesperson who just created a Google Doc, and he sends it out, and he shares it with people, and they can read it, and he generates a lot of new appointments from that. And it's something simple. It doesn't have to be overly produced, but it has to be something that's valuable. Yeah, simple and relevant. And, and my experience is a lot of times the salespeople are afraid to talk to the marketing team and explain what they need. Yeah. And so they get put in a position where yeah, the marketing team believes that they're producing valuable content. 
the sales team believes the marketing team's useless. The marketing team believes the sales team's useless. <laughs> There's no real, I mean, you're spending a lot of money. You're just not getting any value from any of it. Yeah. And, and so if you can get those two people in a room and, and the salespeople can say, hey, here's what people want to talk about that we actually solve. Yeah. And the marketing says, well, we could tell that story more effectively. Right. Then, then right. you can actually produce a professional because I have, like, I have the ability to create a Google Doc, but I can't create a well designed Google Doc. My wife, Nobody who's in marketing, can. Can. Yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, that's where you have to really look at are you using marketing to create conversations that salespeople want to have? Yeah. Yeah. Or are you using marketing to create prize-winning artwork? That's right. That nobody reads. And if they do, they don't believe it because they know exactly where it came from. Do you know who uh, Ed Milet is? Yes. Ed, Ed Milet, he's uh, got a book uh, called The 1% Difference or something. And he's he's active on uh, Twitter and other platforms. And I always marvel because he has hundreds of thousands of of connections and likes and shares. And he literally does videos from his car. And there is not one ounce of production value that he's put into that. There might be a transcript or what do you call it? Captions. And, yeah. and he, he might have a decent microphone. I'm not sure, but he's close enough to the phone. He probably doesn't. And sometimes if, if he were to send that to his marketing staff and have them dress it up, I bet he wouldn't get a third the views because it's not, it's not authentic. It, it feels like I'm writing right there with him. Marketing person touches it and it feels like it's in a studio somewhere. So it's it's interesting you say that. I've I've used video in my marketing since 2004. And in the end of 2022, I did an experiment removing all the editing and of, of any video that I use for marketing. So there's no editing. It's just raw video. I put it out 90 90 seconds to 120 seconds. Mm-hmm. My email open rates went from 30% to 43%. And and you know what? Listen it's, to the, Yeah, listen to this audience. Listen yeah. to this. Go ahead. Keep going. It's, so, so my overall open rate jumped. My number of active subscribers jumped, and my number of people who took action after watching video yeah. jumped. Yeah, by reducing the time you put into it, not increasing it. But well, reducing the time that I put to polish Editing, up the polish. value. Yeah. But the value, I think, has actually gone up because I am very focused. I've got one take. I have to get this message across in 90 to 120 seconds. Oh. Yeah. Good lesson. So, Good lesson. Hey, one last thing, Matt, before we yeah. head, uh, head off here into our uh, worlds. Uh, by the way, for my uh, audience, we're talking with Matt Nettleton, who's a, a colleague and a friend and a, a competitor at some point. But uh, he's also got a brand new podcast. Tell, tell my audience about your podcast. So the podcast is called Default Profitable. Um, it, it's a podcast about starting and running a business. And the idea behind it is uh, I, I have grown worn out by talking to, to people who are starting businesses with the idea that, hey, we're going to get an investor and then we're going to lose all their money. <laughs> and then we're going to get another slightly bigger investor. We're going to lose their money. Series and, then we, <laughs> and, then, and then we're going to do a third investor. By the time we lose that third investor's money, we're ready to go public and everybody's going to be rich. <laughs> and so in my world, most of my clients, a vast majority, have almost, you know, to scrape by the first couple months in their business, making enough money to get to month two, and then making yeah. enough money in month two to get to month three. And so they have to design processes and systems yeah. that are by default profitable. 
Okay. Default profitable. Great. Great tag. That's good. That's good. So listen to that. If you're a, if you're a CEO, I presume that anybody can learn from this, not just on small business. Yeah, no, anybody, anybody that look, that is looking for business acumen can learn. Okay, good. And, and then Bill, why don't you tell my, my listeners about your podcast and in your business? Yeah, BillKasky.com is my website. I have two podcasts. One's the Advanced Selling Podcast, which is the behemoth. And then I also do a Bill Kasky podcast where I dive a little deeper into some of the more, uh, I don't know, more mindset stuff, a little bit more etheric stuff, because uh, I feel like how we think determines everything in our lives. And if we can help people expand their thinking and dial it in differently and maybe tweak some of the perspectives people have, we become more successful, you know, almost overnight. So thinking how to think differently about sales is kind of the theme there. Um, I've got a question for you as we close here. You know, you work with a fair number of sales leaders, sales managers, VPs, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me what uh, what's the trend there for sales VPs, you know, sometimes the, the VP of sales can be in a silo and they don't really have places to go to say, what are you doing to motivate, inspire, instruct? What do you think the trends are for VPs of sales in terms of how they do inspire and instruct and lead their teams? Well, I, I think the the big trend, so we we work with people in four roles as sales leaders, Right. We, we talk to them about recruiting. We talk to them about training. We talk to them about supervising and we talk to them about coaching. And, and I think for a lot of years, most sales leaders were pretty good supervisors and the beatings would continue until the results improved. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's not the most effective way. Um, I think people have gotten better at coaching over the years. And, and so that's, that's really valuable. And, and it, that's a skill that you can develop. You're going to make some money. Um, but I think what, what COVID brought forth and, and what all the remote work is bringing forth is the value of being a recruiter. And being a recruiter, you know, yes, you have to find new people. But also a recruiter continues to sell existing people on their place in the mission and the vision of the organization. Mm-hmm. And it attaches my goals to the company's goals. It attaches my goals to the division's goals to the company's goals and understanding how to do that. I mean, when I got, when I got on campus for college football, the guy that recruited me didn't say, Hey, welcome to campus. We'll see you on Saturdays for games. It was no, Hey, we got Sunday night dinners together. Yeah. You're going to work out. We, exactly. we got this whole thing. And if you want to be a good player, we want to be a great team. We're going to, we're going to do the whole thing together. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that was the coach, I presume, that recruited. Oh, yeah. It wasn't some recruiter that was hired a hired gun. Yeah, no, it wasn't some outsourced recruiter. Yeah. It was, it you know, Jim Garrett was was on campus, was with us, had meals with us, had, you know, they, and, and he made a huge impact in the one year that he was our coach. And there are guys that have named children after him. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just amazing. But what he did is he sold us emotionally on the vision of success. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's the thing that that's the talent that's being called forth for sales leaders right now. It's not yeah, I fully love developed. That. I love that because when I look at a sales team, I always look at potential and it's hard to assess because, you know, sometimes the person who's at the bottom of the stack rank has more potential than the top person. And so you're always kind of making that assessment of who in this organization is underachieving where they have all the talent skills and abilities they're just not applying themselves right. and that to me is a 
is a trend for VPs of sales too, is identifying where the potential is and help people harvest that. And yeah. it's not as hard as it sounds. Sometimes I think we say, well, we got to take them to therapy. And no, you just, sometimes you just have to talk to them and say, what, what do you think's holding you back? And where do, would you like to get in two years? That's your goal. I think you could do twice that. Why do you not think you could do twice that? Well, I've never done twice that. Okay. Well, let's pretend you could, you know, I think there's a whole lot of potential harvesting that could go on that VPs of sales tip. It's not coaching. It's not like dissect the deal type of stuff. It's really getting inside a human being and seeing if you can draw out other potential. I think that's well. Yeah. One of the lines that I have found great value in over the years is that small business owners and really all business owners pay for a tremendous amount of talent that they then sideline and ignore. Yeah. You know, they, they bring somebody yeah. in to do one thing. That guy could do three or four other things. That woman could do three or four other things. <laughs> exactly. but we have this is your one thing. Just do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that whole stay in your lane BS that I keep yeah. hearing. Stay in your lane. You know, you shouldn't be writing articles. You shouldn't be shooting videos. You should be making cold calls. Well, wait a minute. What if I went to film school and I'm pretty good at that? Nope. Stay in your lane. Yeah. So I, I think there's a, I think we can do more than one thing decently and we need to be expected to do that and harvest that potential. So yeah. Matt, I've really enjoyed it today. Let's do this again. Maybe sometime in the fall, you have some great ideas yeah. and uh, I was, I'm glad to be in front of your audience and I welcome you to mine too. Well, fantastic, Bill. Thanks for having me and, and thanks for, for showing up for me. So All right, awesome. See you, Matt. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>